That was literally verbal diarrhea. I'm setting the bar awfully low. Titus O'Neil keeps running directly into that bar. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. You make me very angry. The man who has a better IQ than you, the awe-inspiring JC. You should go work for WWE because you'd be so up far up Vince's No, butt. no, no, no. Oh, you are no, such no, a no, sucker. No, no. You, you are. defend everything, all the bad moves they make. This is the Chopper Knocker Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the latest edition of the Jobberknocker Podcast. We got money in the bank coming at you, but first, my guy, Nestlemania, what's up? I am excited. It's Cinco de Mayo, or whatever the hell it's called, right? Or whatever you drunks call it. Uh, so. No way. Jose, that's all I think of on a day like today, because I just want to party, but uh, he's not with us anymore. He joined Adam Rose in a conga line, not in WWE, but uh, nevertheless... He, he, went from, he, went, he, went, he went from the conga line to the unemployment line. Ouch. Ouch. It's true, but uh, you know they can make a long Start line of uh, unemployment guys in the conga line. So uh, he's there with a lot of them. He'll be fine. He's a stud. I love him uh, forever and always. But we're going to start in the shine like we always do. And um, I am going to start with what I think is the best feud slash storyline slash always in the shine. Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville. This feud, I think, is the best thing they have going. It is the best story they have going. They took an incredible story leading into WrestleMania. And you're like, okay, well, it could be done. But no, they found a way to continue to make it the most interesting thing, in my opinion, on WWE television. Because the beauty of a reason why I love feuds like this with Mandy and Sonya is there is years of history and friendship. And if you do those breakups right, you could have fantastic moments along the way. And they are on their way to doing that. I think they are fighting uh, this Friday on SmackDown, which... I would guess possibly a schmoz, but I enjoyed this. Um, obviously, Mandy was in a qualifying match. I love that Sonia brought up how last year she allowed Mandy to be in the Money in the Bank because she's that good of a friend. She eventually does screw her over, and uh, Carmella gets back in Money in the Bank. But uh, I'm curious your thoughts on this because I'm eating all this up. Well, the the first part with the the Mandy Otis promo was a little too cringeworthy for me. Like it's. I, lo- I do love bad things being so bad that they're good. This was almost teetering on it, but there's something about it where I was just like, oof, like this, this is almost Ben Stiller embarrassing movie bad where it's just like everything that Ben Stiller does is embarrassing. I felt like this one felt like, you know, it, it's just make-believe, but it, it, I, it, you watch it and you're like, it is make-believe. It does, there's nothing like very like, they don't make me believe that they're even remotely together. <laughs> it looks like she's actually, she, the thing is, is it's adorable, but it also looks like she's actually grotesque. Like she, she feels like she's disgusted being near him. That's what it looks like when she's doing something. Of course, the match itself, I didn't really care about until Sonya came out, so I was excited about that. Also, I think you're burying the lead being a, a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader or oh. a, a Cowboys fan. When I saw that, I went, Josh is probably sitting there going, this is this is it. This is it, folks. It, it can't get any higher for me. Yeah, so Mandy has obviously had some elite ring gear over the year. I'd say her golden goddess one is probably the best, but... This, like, I mean, the color scheme is what made it for me because she actually channeled her uh, original Alexa Bliss with the color scheme when Alexa Bliss had the sparkly cheerleader gimmick, which is hilarious. This is a similar outfit to that, and uh, Mandy pulled it off. I thought it was a great look. I think she should do it again. 
I'm sure she'll she'll save it for some type of other time, and then you'll forget that she did it and be excited that she did. So, I mean, you know, I, I can't I can't think of too many times I haven't been excited when one of the best female talents on the roster is on my TV. So. Okay, okay, that's where I draw the line. But I will say this much: usually, when somebody comes out and does what Sonya Deville did, I usually go, hey, "You're taken away from me. You're taken away from what I'm watching." But I think based on the fact that I was already kind of just inundated with Cole yelling so much that I was like, good, here she is talking and it's fine and I don't mind it. And she had, you know, pertinent points and she says, I'm going to shut up. And then, oh, never mind, I'm going to keep talking. Like, that to me was funny. And then she kind of just like, she did her own thing. And like, I think she's like, I'm glad they took the cuffs off of her because I think that there's a definitely a charismatic person there. And I think when you're watching something like that, you go to yourself, okay, like, you know that everybody that gets to the WWE has some type of personality. More, like I'd say, ninety percent of the time they have, you know. Otherwise, you know, you know, they can't all be, you know, Mr. Vink. But you know, it's it is what it is. Uh, but I'm I'm sorry, I'm riding that guy too hard, as we talk about later, I'm sure. But uh, Sonya, it definitely showed off her personality a little bit more, and I like the vindictive, jealous kind of atmosphere that that's getting brew, brew, brew. Like I. It's funny to me, like, I get that you'd be jealous of somebody's looks or that somebody got ahead in life. Like, I, I totally understand that. But you'd figure based, just based on face value alone, like pun intended, you'd think that Mandy would be the heel and Sonya would be the one that has to overcome. But it's nice to see that they've gone the opposite route and played the strength of Mandy being somebody that everybody, you know, kind of looks at and everybody forgets about Sonya, which it seems more, you know, comfortable and inevitable. So I'm okay with this. And I think that, the, you know, I don't really care about Carmella winning. So it kind of just... Car- Carmella felt like a celebration fart. You know what I mean? Like, it was just like, it, it, yeah, okay, Carmella, get the fuck out of the way and let the other two broads fight. You know, that's what it felt like. So, for so. me, I actually, because you mentioned that it, you'd think it would be more natural for Mandy to be the heel. And I think, yes, at first glimpse, you would be. But I think this is the correct way to do it. Because obviously, the Mandy Otis thing, like, that screams babyface. But I think. For Sonya to get to that next level, which I think we all agree that she is very capable of doing, and um, she's ve- like she's very relatable. People like her, and she's a fucking badass. But the best way to do it is to start here. Her as the heel, and I think by making her be a heel, eventually she can turn into that badass babyface down the line. But I think this is how you get there, and I think that that's why this is a home run for literally every party involved. Um, because obviously we've seen the levels that Mandy has literally taken Otis to. He's now in Money in the Bank. He beat Dolph Ziggler. He won at WrestleMania. Like this guy is in a singles Money in the Bank contract match. Think about that. Fucking Otis Dozovich from Heavy Wet Fart Machinery from back in the day is now one of the best things on television. And part of that is because of this whole storyline and being by Mandy's side, but also now it is giving opportunity for Sonya to bust out on the other side of the line, and I'm excited because I look at SmackDown and I'm looking at these, and I'm like, these three people in particular are getting these opportunities, and I think so far they're grabbing that brass ring. I don't know. This might spill over to you may not want to talk about this right now because you might put this in your heat, but I just I just think that it's something that I wanted to say about Dolph Ziggler specifically is that he had a promo before his match with Otis, and he made me remind myself. I mean, we, we, you and I, we, we get on this program. We talk about how good he is in the ring, but he has no purpose. He has no meaning. He doesn't do anything. He's just a guy that does so much selling. They're just like, eh, go out there and put this other guy over. But in the, that two minutes that he did that promo about, I'm not a bad guy. Most people think that I'm the, I'm the bad person in this movie. I'm not the bad guy. And I, I was just like, I was watching it thinking, this was probably his best promo in a long, long time. And I, I and I, I say that with no regret. I mean, I, I, I look at that and think this guy went out of out of his way to put Otis over verbally, and then he went out and put Otis over physically. 
which I think, you know, as much as we, I was surprised Otis won, and I, we told, I told you last week, I want Otis to be in catering or the cafeteria and just start eating things and forget that there's a fucking match going on. But you figured Ziggler was going to do it, and he didn't. And I, I just think that as much as I have to call myself out on the carpet, he definitely did the right thing here. He put over a new guy, a new star, and it's working. And it worked because he did his job better than everybody else. And this is why, and I do want to take a moment here to reflect because I I usually, for the most part, give Ziggler appreciation, especially being on here because you're pretty critical of him most of the time. But this, what you just mentioned are all the reasons why this guy, like as long as he wants to be around, he'll have a job. And there's a reason why a lot of the times, and it did get stale when we saw it happen literally with Corbin Breeze and everyone, why he's one of the first guys when someone, when a baby face is getting a push or someone or a new heel or someone, Dolph Ziggler is the guy you put them with because he might be the best in the company at getting people up there. The only thing working against them is that he does it all the time and it's kind of become like, oh, it's just Dolph Ziggler. But man, when you can invest, when he can invest in something like this and really like bite into that apple of making that person next level, like you're seeing what he can do. And that's why for me, like I will always defend Ziggler, even though I get bored of him too. But this is why this guy, as long as he wants to be there, he will always be there and they will give him for the most part whatever he wants because they know he can go out there and do this and just elevate everyone around him. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. I don't about that. Yeah. Where do you I'm want to go next? That. Well, we could go a bunch of different places, but I think we should stick on SmackDown for one particular reason in particular, and that to me is something that I was enjoying very, 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 very much, which was the Firefly Funhouse, where he read the black sheep. Now, granted, I think this is like we've talked about. This is circling the drain. This has kind of been like, eh, whatever, you know. But for me, I was like, okay, it's not some fucking hashed out package this time. They went and they did the, the reading of a children's book. They made him a creepy Mr. Rogers again. Like that, that made me feel so excited about it. I mean, he made, he made jokes about the government, you know, taking the farm and the reptilians taking over. Like he went back to what brought him to the dance and I was excited. And, you know, Brand, you know, Braun has been sitting there like a big dumb moron for the last two, three weeks, you know, and I think that it's important to have the, the heel look good going into the pay-per-view because that's how you sell tickets. And up until recently, it just felt like it, you know, that Bray was just kind of sitting there, you know, being like, I invoke my rematch clause, big guy, you know, and it's just like now I'm, I'm sitting there going, okay, at least there was some panache, some razzle dazzle to this, because honestly, this is something that I should be pumped and jacked about. And I don't think they've done a decent enough job for it, which is why I'm not really looking forward to it on Sunday, because I know that in the deepest part of my heart that this is not over. It's just some random, you know, checkpoint as we talked about. But I was excited that he, he went out of his way that they, they, you know, they went the production route with this one instead of just having him stand in the ring and do some random thing. You know, it, I think the, that it works in different levels, but I think that the Firefly Funhouse will be more effective. I, you know what's funny? I, I, I'm, I'm, I have a feeling that there's a schmoz coming on Sunday, but I wouldn't be surprised if they took the belt directly off Ron just so they could forget about the last two or three months with Goldberg and everything else. That would that would surprise me, I'll be honest, uh, if they did do that. I don't think they will. I'll say this. I did enjoy this segment as well, but this, I just, I can't, and you know I'm a Braun guy. I love The Fiend. I just, I can't sink my teeth really into this yet, just because I think a lot of it is, yes, I have that preconceived notion that this shouldn't be happening right now, and I still think feel like it shouldn't. And again, this segment, I thought Bray knocked it out of the park. I thought it worked. It's just... I just can't sink my teeth in this as much as I wanted to, and it's disappointing. It's probably more of a reflection on me, but I don't feel like I'm alone with that. 
No, no, I don't think you're alone. I just think that when you look at these two guys, you think to yourself, okay, these guys are box office. They're both box office separately. Yep. Together, they should be huge box office. There should be a SummerSlam main event. There should be something with all the hoopla. There should exactly. Be, like I said, there should this should be the thing that ends a major, major pay-per-view. And I just, I'm looking at this going, I was excited. It finally made me, you know, however many weeks it took to get to, you know, getting a stupid present from Alexa Bliss's set. And then, like, you know, they just ran through a package the week before. And it just... They didn't do enough for me, and I know you can't do the Firefly Funhouse every week. You gotta kind of have to pick and choose what you can do. But I would have preferred that, like, just even if you know, like for me, like, and again, this isn't over, so I'm sure something will happen like this. But this is where my brain goes creatively, and I'm thinking about building something like this. If, if these two guys were at my disposal in a wrestling event, and I could actually build week to week television with these guys, I would have Bray Wyatt watch Braun Strowman's debut match. You know, the match where you were talking about it as you were watching the fan, JC, where you laughed out loud when you heard... Roar! Yeah. Like, have him watch that match and feel what he was feeling and, like, talk over it in some deep, dark, you know, basement or in the Firefly Funhouse on some random old giant tube television. You know what I mean? Like, shit like that. Like, you do, you do that little thing, like, this is where he broke my heart. This is the moment you broke my heart. You know, it makes... That's the best part about the Firefly Funhouse. Bray thinks he's the good guy. And this is the part where, like, he read a story about a black sheep and what he did for a black sheep to convey the message that he's a good guy, even though he's the bad guy. So, to me, I think that it's just, it, it's exciting enough, but it's not exciting to the point where I feel like anybody's going to give a shit about this pay-per-view, because honestly, this is a one-match card now in realization that, that now they're, we'll talk about later, that they're all fighting at the same time. So, Yeah, I don't completely disagree with that i do have a something i'll save for the prediction segment when we uh pick this match or something i think could happen whether it's in this match or the next match for this feud which maybe could inject some life into it but uh for now i'm gonna move on um and stay on smackdown with one of the last things i have is baron corbin and daniel bryan together i really enjoyed what we got to see from them in the rain and I do want to see it down the line. I think it could be a major feud down the line. So maybe, like, table it for now and don't keep throwing them together like they probably will. Because, um, obviously, this one ended in uh, DQ and then knocking Cesaro aid Corbin again since Sammy's just MIA. Um, but I really, 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 really do want to see these two guys come together someday. Maybe it'll be after Baron Corbin becomes world champion. Uh, I think that could be fun uh, if uh, I get what I want. But I'm curious your takes on Corbin Bryan. So clearly I'm a, uh, a Brian guy, obviously. So you're going to sit here and go, oh, Nestle gets boned up for anything Brian, which is true. Yeah, we bo- uh, this, you know, was, this was like a J.C. Nestle boner party. But the thing, here's the thing, right? Like, as per usual, nobody can lose clean, right? So it's just like we, we – it's like these guys fumble around in the dark, as we talk about. And then, you know, they get to a point where it's like, oh, DQ finished because here comes Nakamura Cesaro helping out. And again, for the second week in a row, helping the king because I'm assuming that Sami Zayn does not want to spend his IC title as well as probably get coronavirus or anything or spread anything. And that's his choice, and that's fine. Um, so it's weird to have these two guys that were with another guy. Now they're with the King. It just, when I watch it, I go, this is so discombobulated for me. It's just like, you're taking something that I like Corbin. You're taking something that I love Brian. You're putting them together. I should, I, this is, this should be great. It should be like, and I think it was until the finish. No, I I think that's fine, but I just, there's so many DQ finishes. There's so many non finishes in this thing lately where nobody can get an edge where it's just like, how do you get to a point where like, this, this didn't mean anything either, too. Like, it was just Brian and Corbin, first time ever. Well, why don't you put some stakes on it? Why don't you, you know, like, 
well, you know, you could have done. They could have given. The maybe there was some advantage they could have given in this match. I think because yeah. especially you don't know what it is. Like, Winner starts in the first floor instead of the lobby. Yeah, you know, like anything. Yeah, anything like that would have been great. Um, you know, or just you know have have Corbin get that head start in the first floor. You know what I mean? Like have him do that. That would have been perfect. Or have Corbin get you know get be able to to start you know somewhere anywhere. It just have the heel start somewhere. And I think that's the biggest. I don't know. Like then, when I look at this, I go, Daniel Bryan and Corbin would have been great. If I had seen Corbin beat Bryan, I would have appreciated it a little bit more. That's all. Yeah, I don't disagree. And I think obviously they could have easily had him cheat to win, and it's not going to affect Daniel Bryan in the least. Whereas it could have given Corbin a little extra edge going into this match. But who knows? They might fucking rerun that on SmackDown and do it again. Um, but I think we should jump to Raw now. And I am curious, oh Nestlemania, what is your favorite part from Raw? Because I have two things I liked from Raw. That was it. Well, I. It's uh, you know what I'm I, I I'm I'm not gonna talk about this too much because I don't want to get you all hyped up right now. But there were but there was a certain tag team that you enjoyed at loss. Um, that was pretty exciting for me. Um, it was also you know there was something about and this is the part where I think you're gonna get mad at me, but it's fine. The Alistair Black promo presentation. That was your was, favorite part of Raw. Hold on. They added fucking on. smoke to his little closet, which I think was an improvement. But that is your favorite part of Raw. It was an improvement. Oh, yes, I, God. Honestly, Get off his there dick. Was nothing, oh, he's back on, there was, TJ. He's going to lose money in the bank now. No, no, no. I don't like him. I just like that they did that. <laughs> what are you, you going to tell me? that you So, like Nestle, entire, would, would you say that you, you, you like the entire gauntlet match? Get the fuck out of here. I actually, I enjoyed portions of the gauntlet match. Shut the fuck up. No, I did. I did. No, why? Because you know what shirt I'm wearing right now, Nestlemania? I'm wearing my I'm per, guess. my guess. A Shelton Benjamin t-shirt? I wish I had a Shelton Benjamin t-shirt. No, it's my purple Titus Worldwide t-shirt. I forgot I had this. I busted it out for the occasion because not only did I get him to face Bobby Lashley, Tazawa was there too, but Shelton Benjamin comes back and then shimmy, shimmy, yeah, comes back, upsets Lashley in the most ridiculous finish ever. And then he uh, beat Pants Off Guy. And then freaking AJ Styles comes back from the dead, which I think we, like, Rod desperately desperately needs another top star to return and he comes back and he qualifies for the money in the bank match giving it finally a little more gravitas and another huge contender so i don't know how this isn't shine oh i'm, I'm excited for the man i mean he rose he you know he was dead and he rose again 30 days later just like jesus he and he, his promo was great his promo was great he, he, his promo was great i thought it was great i thought the fact that he buried no pun intended actually pun intended he buried the whole thing about the inner yeah i lost but i didn't lose it wasn't a real match and i was like well you know what that's how you get your shit back you know like it, it made perfect sense to me i'd buy it and then, of course aj styles being in the money in the bank match made me go okay he could be a potential front runner and that that makes it exciting because now you're like okay aj styles has done pretty much everything but you know having him at money in the bank seems like something that he could do very well i mean and he's Corbin a heel to be the guy exactly yeah it, it just seems like something that, that, that dropped. I think it was a much-needed shot of adrenaline. I'm just saying that it, it, going back to the Alistair Black thing, Black made a comment about AJ Styles. I don't think this is over. So I think that there is going to be, whether it's AJ, whether it might be potentially, possibly, maybe Alistair Black winning, there could be a back-and-forth here with the Money in the Bank briefcase because Drew McIntyre needs to beat Tomato Cans apparently for a while before he even loses that thing maybe. So whoever has that briefcase is going to be waiting. I, I mean, I, I hope so. I, I, I feel like we haven't had an extended, like, good run with the briefcase in a while. That's part of the reason why I really wanted Corbin. I mean, AJ, though, I think would do a great job with it, too, because it's just like that snarky heel that can cut a promo and just always tease it but also be a sniveling little shit. I think, like, that's the perfect formula for Money in the Bank, and especially, like, 
when I look at the women's match, I feel like that could be a quick cash-in. Maybe not night of, but I don't think whoever gets it might be holding it very long, where I think the opportunity is on the men's side to have someone have a long, long uh, run with the briefcase before they cash in, and maybe don't even cash in until we have fans return at a big pay-per-view. Yeah, it's probably that's the shot of adrenaline that you've been talking about, and I think that you're absolutely you know right on the nail with that one. But I think that now that you mentioned it, and I think we'll probably talk about it a little bit more. But this is my this is my kind of like additional hope about everything is that if Shayna, Shayna Baszler wins or if uh, Nia Jax wins, and uh, you know they said you know Becky Lynch is going to confront the winner of Money in the Bank, I wouldn't I wouldn't care if Becky got hit in the face and lost right away because Becky hasn't been on television anyway. You know what? The fact that the rest of these three women that are Money in the Bank have been there every week. I'd say give her the belt and give her whoever wins that championship, the Raw championship, let them have it and uh, let Becky fight from underneath, which is probably where she needs to be in order to get her shit back. If so. that's the way they did it, I would be fine with it. I just have a feeling they would schmoz it and like delay it. And if you're going to use the money in the bank as like a tool like that, I think that's how it needs to be. If not, like I need someone to lurk in the shadows with it. But I think now that, especially because as we know, we have two, they usually like to blow one right away so they don't have the double of double barrel uh, briefcase going. But that would be interesting. I think the person that would make the most sense there would actually be Naya because I think it would be believable that she could hit Becky with one move and beat her. And then obviously I have the history. That could be an interesting feud where, you know, there there obviously is a history because Naya pretty much made Becky when she broke her fucking nose. Right. Nobody cared about Becky that much until she really busted her nose. I mean, she was on her way, but I mean, that was really the, uh, the flip flop that everybody wanted. So that was the signature moment. That'll be hunting the rafters um, of Becky Lynch. And um, as you know, I just want to say, did you know that Becky Lynch uh, is going to be starring in a Marvel movie now? So here's the thing. I don't care. I know, but I just you know? like, I was surprised to see that because I get like them wanting to put the rocket ship on her, like, and get her into that pop culture, especially now. I think she's top six in like salary for WWE superstars, which is good for her. But it's just like they're really trying to make her that worldwide icon. And to do it, you got to get her into mainstream movies. And having her, I think, appear in a Marvel movie, I don't think it'll be a giant role, but having her there, I think, like, that would be the thing to solidify it because a lot of people see those and people be like, oh, who's this badass redhead chick with the accent? I think I think it could actually happen for her. I wasn't a believer that she could be that next level like superstar, but if they pull it off with her in a Marvel movie and she looks like a badass, I think it could happen. But it's a catch-22, right? So, for instance, there's two points that I want to make. One, if you, you launch her into oblivion, she ain't coming back. She's going to do the rock. She's going to do the whole... Which I don't think is always a bad thing. I think she could... No, I know I know that, but I think the WWE is foolish to do it if that's what, that's what their aim is. I know you have to, you have to you know, cast a wider net to get more people to come back. I totally understand that. But from a standpoint of, like, the WWE, like, why would you... Like, I get you need more people to watch this thing, but why would you... You've already learned your lesson from the rock. Yeah, but I, I would also... I would also argue that that crossover appeal has opened up so many more doors for them, not only like in terms of like exposure, but also cash flow just to have it. And yes, because I should definitely go to a reduced schedule, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, honestly, it could be the best thing for her because what has been the thing we've been hammering the past year with her, Mr. Nessamania? It is how she is overexposed and gotten stale. I think smaller doses of Becky Lynch now that she has reached the mountaintop and sat atop the mountain for a year, it's like the next logical step is to dial her back a little, but then when we get a taste of her, we remember like, oh yeah, she is that damn good, and I think everyone would appreciate her more, and I think in the long run, it would do better. It would also open the door for other people to grow as well so when she comes back she'll actually have people to fight unlike right now where the only like until Shayna came up it was like if you're looking at the domino it was only Charlotte and she's hit that domino so many times that people got sick of it 
true. So something else to think about too is uh, here's the part that I don't enjoy. Usually the Marvel movie will be shot like now or whatever is going to be happening. Then you have to wait a year. So you either have to keep her relevant until the movie comes out or it's another chapter of how fucking great Becky Lynch is and, you know, when the movie comes out, which I don't think I'm ready for anymore. I think I've, I think I've been Becky'd out. I think I've been kind of like to a point of like, yes, it's, it's amazing what she's been able to accomplish and I'm not downplaying anything, I, but I've seen it before, right? So seeing her into a point of success, I, I want to see her get to the, to the movies and to the television shows because I think she deserves it. It's just... I don't know if they can keep a steady stream of Becky Lynch for another year until this movie comes out or however many years it's going to be. You know what I mean? Or like just maybe they have some ebb and flows with her, but if she's so popular now and they have to wait another year or two for this movie to come out, because granted, you know, production might be halted until this coronavirus thing is, is you know, figured out. You know, it's just, it's hard to, to figure out how long it's how long is she going to remain relevant? Are the fans going to turn on her? You know, like you can't calculate, you can kind of, you know, guesstimate a little if you want. You know, if you do six, ten months out from now, what may happen to her? But honestly, from a from a revenue standpoint, she might be box office as a as a heel by the time this movie comes out. Which again, isn't a bad thing. But I think that they're they're hoping and they're praying, they're banking on the fact that she is going to be a household name forever. But I think the thing that's different between her and John Cena, Steve Austin, whoever uh, transcended sports, uh, you know they were universally loved. I don't think that Becky is universally loved. I think there is a contingent of people, granted they are the smart fans, but I think there is a giant contingent of people here that I think that they could turn on Becky a lot bigger than any of the other people. Well, let me give you this, because I I think she'd be fine, because I think once you get to that level, you get to that level. John Cena was not universally loved. Like, he was when he first started, but he, like, Becky's kind of following the same path where now it's like people are sick of him and people were, like, booing John Cena like crazy. That became the cool thing to do. And now it's just, now he comes back, we just love him again because he's John Cena and we've learned to appreciate him now that we got him in smaller doses. I honestly, I think Becky Lynch is on that track. I really do. I don't, I'm not I, saying she's going to be a megastar like John Cena because I don't think that's actually possible for her or, like, anyone right now, but I'm just saying, like, the parallels I think are there for her to run a similar trajectory just maybe down a peg yeah i mean i don't i, I hope i'm wrong i, I really do you are. I, I just there, <laughs> i just i just i just hope that i hope that i'm i'm wrong because I, this could all blow up in their faces very quickly especially because uh, you look at you look at seth rollins and how he was well here's the difference is becky lynch has talent seth rollins doesn't but we'll get to him later you know uh, what we're gonna get to hear, now nestlemania we're gonna somebody, get i hear somebody across the pond getting very upset with you. oh he's gonna be really upset with me and we talk about that later i'm sorry i apologize now but we're not we're still in the shine and we haven't talked about my favorite part from raw yet nestlemania you know what my favorite part of raw was this week I don't know. The Charlotte Flair Liv Morgan match. Your silence is deafening. I love it. I love it. Do you want me to tell you why it was the best part of Raw this week? Go ahead. Not only was it, I think, the best match on WWE TV this week, I think that for me, I am now retiring the moniker of Charlotte the Shoveler because I don't think she's a shoveler anymore. Yes, yes, she beat Liv Morgan. But here's the thing about Charlotte Flair. Even if she wants to lose, she shouldn't. The powers that be protect her for a reason because she's Charlotte motherfucking Flair. She is the top woman of all time in wrestling. And I think it's already, it's, it's done. There's no contest for me. You can't argue it. So yes, she should be beating everyone. But what she did in this match is, we've been, I've been talking about the last couple of weeks is the ascent of Liv Morgan and how she's impressed me. And the promos aren't there yet, but I think her like 
Everything else is getting there. And I think this match finally showed me it's like, man, if I were to give out a most improved award for 2020 right now, it'd be to Liv Morgan. Because I watched that match, and yes, part of it was absolutely Charlotte, but it takes two to tango. I just thought this was the best Liv Morgan has ever looked in the ring. I thought she held her own with Charlotte. And I loved what Charlotte did after the match, saying, yeah, I didn't take her seriously, and I should have. And she caught me, and like I respect her now. I see her now. And that's, I think, another reason of why Charlotte is treated the way she is, is because when someone can go out and have a competitive match with her, even though Liv Morgan lost, I think she got more over in this match than she ever has in her career by a long shot because she hunted with the queen and she gave it to her and got there, but it didn't give us that taste of victory yet. So Liz still has a lot of room to grow, which I think is exciting. And honestly, the more I watch her, the more I'm raising her potential level. I never thought it would be as high as it is now because I've always liked Liv Morgan. I thought like, oh yeah, she'll be a nice part of the show. But I think there's an opportunity. I think she's someone that when crowds do return, People are going to surprise, be surprised by the reaction she's getting, and they could really use that. So yeah, Nestlemania, I, I know that you're probably going to be more critical of this than most, but this was something where I was behind on my uh, DVR, like I always am. And you know, sometimes I'll just scroll through the feed just to be like, oh, is there something I can't miss? And the reviews of this match was glowing, and I'm like, there's no fucking way it could be this good. Then I watched it, and I loved it. So take it away. Are you got any more babyface uh, shine to, to go up, or no? Uh, I have something small, but it doesn't really matter. It was mostly heat. Oh, I, I mean, I, 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 will, I will hit the heat button only because this match was heavily edited. Like, heavily. I mean, they did a great job fixing something. Who cares? Who this, cares if it was no, heavily this, edited? This is an... This is this a, Monday, it doesn't matter. This is a non-live you TV show. You had your chance to talk. Shut up. <laughs> you had your chance to talk. I, I let you... I laid out for you. Let me lay out. Let me, let me do this, all right? Jesus Christ. Look, they edited the shit out of this fucking thing. They miscommunicated multiple times in this matchup. If you didn't go back, you didn't notice, obviously, you're just blind to a naked eye. You were probably half paying attention, looking at your phone, looking at whatever you were looking at. Uh, you weren't paying close attention like I was because I'm a critical man and I'm a critical critical eye, a uh, wonderful eye, if you will. There were definitely some major edits here, but I will say this much. It was a fine match. It was a good, ex- you know, good exhibition for Liv to show that she's grown exponentially over what she's been doing. So the positive for me is watching Liv grow. I will say that is amazing. My heat is, why the fuck is Charlotte on my television on Raw? I still don't understand it. I still don't want it, and I don't care. It's just not there. It's a shame. And here's another thing that we haven't talked about yet, and I'm sure you'll divulge into this, how you feel about this, JC. Liv has been improving win after win, getting fed to people and beating people, Ruby, Natty, whatever she was doing. Amazing job. Was she just being racking up wins to feed to Charlotte. You know what I mean? Like somebody has to win and then get knocked down a peg. It seems weird to me that they couldn't build a little bit more out of everything they've had on this program, why they couldn't have had this go to a time limit draw, or they couldn't have had something where like Liv went to a portion of something where she took Charlotte to an actual limit instead of losing. I understand everything you just said, and I'm not negating it. I think whatever you said is correct, but I will say that to me, I think it's a cop out sometimes when I look at they, you know, when Bobby Lashley fucking just gets DQ'd, and then fucking, you know, someone else in the show gets DQ'd. Oh, yeah, Brian and Corbin just get DQ'd. There's just so many things that they could come up with. Why not give this a schmoz or why not give this a, a time limit draw for 10 minutes? Put a 10-minute time limit on it and have Charlotte fight somebody of relevance and make live. Even if you go back a couple of years, you had Shelton Benjamin versus, you're going to love this, Shelton Benjamin versus Triple H. You know what I mean? He beat him by countout. He beat him by DQ. Then by the third match, you're like, holy shit, he can only win by submission or, or pinfall. And then guess what happened? He lost, but there was three times where you're like, holy shit, this guy might actually win. 
you could do that. You, Charlie, you want to talk about people who don't mind losing and don't care about losing, and, 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 and when they lose, it's a big deal? You could have made Liv a bigger star. Now, yes, it's probably premature, but I think that you could have done something here with Charlotte where, and again, the reason they didn't do it was because she's facing EO on Wednesday, so she can't look like she can't beat people. But I would have, I would prefer this whole Liv thing to start after the EO. I think the timing is awful, especially where Charlotte is not a main state on Raw right now. She's more needed on NXT. So I think that this is, again, this was a B-plus effort in terms of shoehorning Charlotte in there instead of you know giving Liv maybe another week of people that she's going to beat and then have this program with Charlotte because, again, you could have Charlotte, like, maybe on Raw, Liv beats her by, you know, a countout or fucking, you know, a DQ or something random happens, like her boot falls off and she gets a roll-up as much as I hate a roll-up. Like, little things that, like, wouldn't necessarily happen on Charlotte. Then you get Liv to go over to, to NXT. Maybe she gets an NXT title shot and then she fucking founders it away. At least you've built three weeks there, two weeks there, whatever it could be, to an actual standpoint. Maybe I want to see Charlotte on my TV on Raw where I do not think she's needed and you can give me the shit all you want about her being a, a raw superstar. I mean, she but is. Made live, but you, I understand that, and but it's fine. But when you win a championship, you go to that fucking brand, you stay there. Then, you know, you get there, you, you could have Liv become even a bigger star. And Liv has been uh, basically the only person on Raw worth watching because Becky's been non-existent, right? So Liv, to me, is the only person besides, you know, Nia breaking people, is the only portion of the women's division that's even worth watching. So to me, I feel like, it, again, it, it was a measurement test. It was a litmus test to see how good she is right now. And she's doing a wonderful job. And, of course, you know, you, you come up short against God, and that's fine. But... I think that, to me, I, I would have seen a lot more meat on the bone when it comes to this. I think that Liv versus Charlotte, you know, could have been something uh, a little bit more. That's all. So, first off, if this would have ended in a schmoz or something like that, you would have been on this program bitching about it. Every match on Raw ended in a schmoz, blah, blah, blah. So, they give you a definitive finish, and it's the one where I think a definitive finish doesn't matter because Liv Morgan won that match without winning that match. Like, the fact that, 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 that she hung that long with her, it's like time limits. WWE never does time limit shit. So, if they randomly did it for this one, it would just, it would. It, you'd be complaining about how it was a cop out, blah blah blah. You just complained about all the all the things like about Corbin and Brian being like, oh, it was great, whatever. But it was the cop out, cop out. So this one, they actually give you a conclusion, and I think it's the conclusion that doesn't hurt anyone. And yes, I've said it to you a million times. Charlotte is on a Raw superstar, and I they just feel like they have three hours on Raw, and I think the reason why. Her putting why I didn't mind it this week because most weeks I tend to agree she should just be on NXT for the most part but I think they were looking at it and for some reason they didn't want to put Liv in the Money in the Bank match which whatever reason I don't know what it is she's already beaten Ruby Riot twice they're not going to have her go out and probably beat one of these Money in the Bank women clean so it doesn't really leave you a lot of options she already faced Natalia at Wrestlemania so you don't have a lot of options it's like how can we continue this momentum that Liv has been building on her own it's like, have her get in there with Charlotte, show what she can do, and put together a pretty good match. With Was it edited? I'm sure it was. They've been taping a lot of stuff yet, lately. A lot of stuff has been edited. Your fucking favorite match ever, the Firefly Funhouse, was the most edited thing I've ever seen. We didn't have a problem with that. And yes, I know it was edited for a different reason, but when you're not dealing with live shows, you have an opportunity to do it. And honestly, I don't have a problem with a little bit of the editing. As long as it isn't like egregious, egregious. It didn't bother me with this match. I know you're going to bring it up with another match. And there, I think, I think you have more feet to stand on. But I think for this one, it was just, well, done and like you said to like the naked eye or most people like they're not going to notice and i mean i think that's even more effective that it's not egregious that they're doing it and if you're sitting there like taking notes with your fucking glasses on the edge of your nose being like oh like cut something that's on you bro that's on you listen you you can say i look like a grandpa all you want having nose you know whatever you talk about my glasses on the edge of my nose like i'm 45 years old or 75 years old you're, you're, you're nestle scrooge 
No, I'm not Scrooge. <laughs> bah humbug. I am not Scrooge. It's Cinco I'm de Mayo. You're raining on everyone's parade. You know what? You know what? You know what I think right now? I think I'm doing everybody a service because on Cinco de Mayo, they're all going to be drinking even more heavily because they're going to be so mad at me. So there you go. I'm doing everybody a service. Uh, I mean, I guess you can look at it that way, but I think we yeah, should probably yeah, move on. Uh, where would you like to go next in the heat? It's, uh, I, the VIP lounge with the women was not good, folks. <laughs> I mean, I just, I mean, I, I think M- MVP is just like, uh, he's herpes. I mean, he's just, he, he keeps coming back and he, he brings nothing but bad things. I mean, he just, he is an excuse to, to parade out there. I get why, but he is not good on the microphone. He steps over people on the mic. He just sits there and tries to facilitate something that never fucking you know comes to fruition. And he's sitting there and he's doing these things. It's just the VIP segment, uh, whatever it is with the women. And then you know Naya breaks the fucking chair and she rolls out. It seems like they were, and I, I, I'm hoping that I didn't misplace this or just fast forward. But they seemed like they had they weren't going to have Oscar versus fucking uh, Shayna, and they made it seem like a big deal. And it did not take place, right? No, it did not. Okay, so that was odd to me. It just it seemed like. Okay, that was a big deal. And then it was just like, nope, never mind. They're not going to face each other. Okay, whatever. It is what it is. I but, think that you know, could be a did... good indication of maybe where they go post-Money in the Bank, which could be a little spoiler alert that if uh, Naya might be winning the briefcase. Or sure, someone whatever. else. Who cares? Who cares? I hope she drops a big fucking leg drop on everybody. It'd be great. Yeah, that's my um, uh, that's my uh, analysis for this segment. I just don't give a shit, so I no, have it, nothing I mean, to add. This, there's, so, there's so much about this week that I was like, I don't give a shit about, but it's fun to talk about because it's so much fun to shit on it. But like... You know, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about the fucking everything else uh, when it comes to everything. I don't know if you want to talk about Seth Rollins. I don't know if you want to talk you about You want to get there? Yeah, because that's, that's my meatiest heat I have. The rest of it is just kind of like it was there and it sucked. But for me, it's just like I talked about how I can't really sink my teeth into Braun Bray, even though I want to. This thing is just like, holy fuck. You talk, and this, this, might, this is probably for the most part just from me because I know a lot of people love it. And like I've said, I don't mind the Messiah gimmick. I like the idea of it. It just like... Him and McIntyre should not be feuding right now. I th- Seth should should have been treated like the one of the end like an end boss like for a big stage of McIntyre's like journey. Like if he's in a fucking Mario game, like Seth, maybe he's not the Bowser, but maybe he's the guy before Bowser who maybe could actually beat Mario and take it away. Whereas right now it's just like Drew McIntyre gets you know gets through one level of Bowser, and then when they get to the next game, it immediately is starting again. It's just like. I just it just doesn't work for me right now, and it just it's Seth's promo bored me to death. McIntyre beat Murphy, Murphy with Seth watching. I just I don't give a fuck about this at all. And if there was one, my piss break for Money in the Bank is this because I just I have zero investment in this, and it sucks because I want to invest in Drew, but I just I can't do it, man. I just I find this zero percent watchable. I think that the uh, the promo wasn't terrible, but it felt like it was the same thing over and over again uh, with, with Seth Rollins. I will say the bright spot of this entire thing, and that this is this is the only shine of the, out of this turd that I'm looking at, is Murphy had a promo backstage hinting that he's eventually going to go after Seth someday, which I was like, you know what? I want to see that. I want to see that. I hope it's a long-term feud. I hope everything works out. I think that that Agreed. would be nice if, if, if Seth Rollins can, you know, stop being a, uh, you know, a god for a second and actually put over Buddy Murphy, I would be really excited for that because I think it would help Buddy Murphy get to the upper echelon. And Seth Rollins is already in the Champions Club. He's not going to lose his, his club card, you know. You know, it's just he can help another guy get there, and I think that that would be really cool. But then you get to the main event with Drew and Buddy where, you know, Seth's sitting there picking his nose, and it's just it's hard. It's just you sit there and you go, okay, they're trying to come up with stuff that, without really getting too physical. And then, like, okay, he beats Buddy. 
but then he comes in, they doesn't, you know, he runs away, comes back, and then he like, runs away, hits him again. It's just like it's so convoluted. You get that. I'm sorry because I know Danny's sitting there and you know, listening overseas, going, um, you know, this is my guy, Seth Rollins. But like, yeah, Danny, you can't fucking defend this. You can't, you can't defend that this fucking thing is such a weird, weird thing. Like, it, there's this is the WWE Championship. This should be the focal point of the show. This should be something that you get your teeth sunk into, as JC has said. And I just can't get to it. I can't get to it. I think that there's so much more that Drew McIntyre needs to do. And if Drew McIntyre is doing the heavy lifting, and like I said to you last week, they already did a, con- they did a contract signing. Like, you, you can't do something after contract signing. Like it, unless you're going to do a fucking weigh-in, it doesn't matter. Like, there's there's nothing you can do no after you do a contract signing. <laughs> yeah, like, that, that's essentially all you can do. I mean, there's literally, there's literally nothing you can do after contract signing. That's why putting it before the last week to go home makes absolutely no sense for me. From a logical standpoint, it makes absolutely no goddamn sense. You paint yourself into a wall every goddamn time. Every time. And I'm sick of it, honestly. I honestly, I, I agree with everything you said. And I just, I just, I have nothing really to add here because anything I say will just piss people off more. So we can move on. Okay. This, uh, this gauntlet match, I don't know if you want to talk about it. It's a gauntlet match. It is what it is. It's just like Lashley beats up all these motherfuckers and then, of course, gets DQ'd by punching a guy too many times. I mean, come on. What the fuck? <laughs> Like, that, like what, I, that was like, the low point of it because it just was like they could have found a much easier way for Lashley to do it. Maybe he loses control on the outside and gets counted out or something. Like it just, yeah, it, it was definitely what? the low point of the gauntlet match for me. Why not have Lana have a video package backstage where fucking Jose Lothario, whatever the fuck they're calling him, Garza hits on <laughs> Lana, right? Gives her a fucking rose. You know what I mean? And he runs fucking away, gets counted out. I mean, that's, he's literally the Lisa Lothario, right? And she's a woman, and he's, he's you know sitting there talking about how great his wife looks. Just that, that's all you do. That that that's how you create a storyline. That's how you know what I mean. Like I'm I'm literally, JC. I'm I'm, I'm literally flying off the seat of my pants here. I just came up with something that's ten times better than I watched on Raw, and I should be getting paid for this because I'm that damn good at it. I mean, these these things. This is how you instead of having somebody get punched in the corner fifteen fucking times, have a referee throw it out. It just shows it shows no creativity whatsoever, and it's just like okay, we're gonna put Shimmy in there, and he beats the fucking two out of three. You know, uh, of the Lost Lonely Boys, and then AJ Styles comes back to get the pieces, which again was the good part. But it's just this whole thing was, com- you know, like there were sections of this that made perfect sense. There were sections of this that were fun. But just because Bobby Lashley flipped the fucking tire doesn't mean you can't have him lose. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's like, like I just don't fucking get it. Like I just don't fucking get so it. So this and is I'm watching. It's insulting our intelligence, is what it is. So this is that's the, you got me actually thinking here is um you know what I think they should have done and I know this isn't this they're like they were going for the sexy but like they they teased the Andrade thing immediately after WrestleMania I think the Money in the Bank match still should have been McIntyre defending against Andrade I think that would have been a good feud to get us here um they started they pretty much did the feud in a week and a half instead of they could have easily spread that out much more and made it much more interesting and I think next up honestly for Drew could have been Bobby Lashley because it could have been this build for him and then he would have been one of the logical guys for him the face and then maybe you don't get set till SummerSlam so it's 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 funny it's like they had guys that can do it but instead now instead of since they hot shot Seth to here it leaves everyone else kind of in no man's land where Lashley has nothing to do and stuff so and now that AJ's back like I don't know what the direction is with Bobby Lashley if he's not facing Drew at this point because I'm just looking at it it's just what is all this for like what are they accomplishing he's not going to feud with Shimmy is he good god that'd be horrible two guys who no, can't talk yeah, and I mean, to add on to your, to your statement here, you could have Lashley face Drew McIntyre. You can make it a big deal. They did a good job in TNA, actually, when they faced each other. And you could have Brock Lesnar get in there and beat up 
you could have Drew get beat up by Brock Lesnar. You could have Bobby get beat up by Brock Lesnar. And then you have Brock Lesnar and Bobby, which is the only match we want to see Brock Lesnar face at this point because I think he's gone through the whole fucking roster. And Drew McIntyre gets a reminder that he can get his ass kicked anytime he wants. And that's, again, coming off the top of my head, these are things that easy, you, you, you create moments, you create, you create stems, you create branches, and then you branch out, out of things that you create people. You, when other people have physical contact with other people, and I know we're in a pandemic, but I'm saying wrestling-wise, when people get up against people in a promo or in a wrestling match or just come out and distract people, that's how you create all these things that you have people to talk to or beat up or whatever. Because they're, they're just not, like, if I, they're going to say who the fuck is, you know, who the fuck is Adam, and it's true. But if I'm making all these connections without any fucking know-how or any fucking knowledge of what's going on, I expect people that actually get paid, that know what's going on, that have the fucking pieces in front of them, to think outside the box instead of being lazy, fat shits in a fucking room throwing a fucking ball against the wall So when they're sitting there... You know, that's what I think about it. I will say this to defend them because I, I agree. Like, it's just – it's not. But I think part of the problem, and as I think we all see this in our work environments, is like as one person, you can easily have a clear vision of where to go and everything makes sense. But when you start getting layers of management, things have to go through. And then especially when it gets to the top one who's a complete wild card and as stuff gets changed, like the vision is now from like several different people. And you'll see it with like TV shows or movies if like director changes or like a writer changes. Like you see that changes just because pieces is instead of being like one clear vision it is now suddenly like four or five muddled visions and that's what happens i think so much with wrestling storylines nowadays is it's just it's like it'll get to a point it's like man this looks great on paper but then the person's like let's make this tweaks then it gets to the next level of management what if we tweak this then it gets to the highest level in vince and it just like completely gets uh monkey thrown into it so i think uh, the more of like our criticalness and our heat should be with the system of how they go about developing these stories because we've seen like some of them when they have a clear vision with one person they are capable of doing great things i just think a lot of the times now when we see it it's just there's so much muddled shit it's just they have like 10 people in a room and they're all just throwing shit around like we all see that in our work environments whereas it's easier for us to sit here and give a clear vision but the problem is if like even if you went there nestle your shit by the time it reached air would probably be changed by like 10 people and then it might come out as a crock of shit too so it's a it's tough to blame the individuals because i'm we know they have a lot of talented people that work for them. It's just the system of way they do things is so flawed and it reflects on television. Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, if I ever got a job there, I'd probably be out in five months because I just, I, I'm not the type of person that can, that can be a yes man. So I you'd be the XFL. So, yeah, exactly. I absolutely. 100%. Unequivocally. There's no doubt about it. Uh, oh, but you know what? Uh, let's move on to something else. Unless you got something else you want to talk so about. So no, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay you up here because I mean this was something where I talked about last week. I wanted it to be like an hour or hour and a half of raw. I would have loved it because uh, Viking Raiders and Street Profits always a great match. But my big issue with this is when I saw the Vikings won, I was like, why is there no graphic? Why are they holding up the titles? I thought this was advertised as a tag team title match. Maybe it wasn't. I just imagined it, but I thought it was. Um, so that's my biggest heat from this. But I know you have a lot more. Oh my god! So he, so I had I had that exact thing in my notes right now. Wasn't it for the tag titles? Like there, there was they went out of their way to not show a graphic. It felt like, or they just, you know, I'm sure you could go back to DVR the week prior and look at it. But like I just, there's something about this match that just this match got killed in editing. They showed that Montez Ford was all over the goddamn place. I mean, he needs to take a fucking chill pill when he wrestles. He just like yes, he's Mr. Fire and Electricity as you talked about, and that's amazing and that's great. But you got to slow the fuck down if you're in a ring. Like he took a back body drop and almost the beginning of the match and almost blew out both of his fucking knees. Like, he just, he needs to calm the hell down. Otherwise, he, we're going to be stuck with Dawkins, and we all know that Joe Stopper is going <laughs> to jump off a goddamn roof if we have to deal with Dawkins for the rest of his life. Best hot tag so in I mean, wrestling, Nestle. 
according to Billy, and uh, yeah, I agree. Well, Billy, you know what? Billy, Billy has hyperbillied a bunch, and I think he's probably hyperbillying on this. No, nah, I think so. he's right. I think he's right with that. Maybe, but I mean, honestly, when everybody else is being, a, you know, a turtle, and everybody else, you know, everybody else is slow ski, and then they've got fucking, you know, hot happed on fucking, you know, pills. Dawkins coming in, yeah, he's, he's not that he's actually on pills, but he looks like he's on speed when he comes in, and that's why the, the hot tag is is working. But I digress. The editing, there was a lot of there were a lot of edits here where I was just like, this was egregious, and you could see that they like there were a couple things where I went, that wasn't even the same move, that wasn't the same hand, it was just like all <laughs> over the place, and I was just like, there should these are. These are two teams that are just, they've been around each other for a while. This should not be a bad match. And it made me think in my head when I was watching this, like the Viking Raiders clearly know what they're doing. And it felt like the Street Profits either had a bad day, they didn't care, or they phoned it in, whatever. But it just it, it just felt like it didn't mesh, and it should have. And I think that's probably why they took the titles away, or the, 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 the uh, graphs away, I think, at this point. Because it's just, it didn't make any sense. So I do, I have, because I pretty much agree with everything you said, I like... I defended the other one for editing, but I think this one, like the editing, just wasn't as good, and maybe it's because it was a, such a mitig- unmitigated disaster. But I think when I'm watching a match like this, and I think it's true of pretty much all the wrestling we've seen without any crowds, is like the style that these two teams go at with like the high spots and the craziness is so catered to getting a crowd out of their seats. So seeing them try to do this stuff with nobody reacting, I think is absolutely killer. At least on AEW when they do this stuff, there's a bunch of wrestlers or random people like ringside that can react. So like there's something happening. But in WWE, it's just fucking an empty arena with a couple oafs on commentary just going, oh, and it's just, it's just not, it doesn't sell a match like this, which where they could be cutting to the crowd, or you'll hear the noises, you'll hear the reactions, you, you'll see that, and it takes these matches that are like spot fests, which let's be, let's face it, I love these two teams, but they're, a lot of their spot, they're just like, they're spot monkeys with a lot of their stuff, because um, that's just how they thrive, like, Viking Raiders are the big guys who do the crazy spots, and then the Street Profits are just, Montez Ford is just like doing everything, same with Dawkins, it's like part of his hot tag is the crowd, so I think that really hurts these two teams, um, I'm not defending what they did, because I don't think it was great, but I'm sure there was part of it where like their energy's different too when they're doing all these types of moves where I think this this type of wrestling and a no crowd environment is where the technicians and guy other guys like a Daniel Bryan can really succeed because yes he's a million percent better with the crowd but he's still just as good in the ring without a crowd and I think some of these guys it's even if they are like indie darlings like uh, the Viking Raiders were it's just I think it's such a different transition for them and the way they're trying to do it it just isn't translating for us on television and that's just my theory. I could be wrong, but that's just that's my takeaway from watching these past few months. Gotcha. Anything else? Or do you want me to go through quick heats? You can do some quick heats. All right, very quickly. Let's go through some quick heats. Um, let's see. They uh, where is it? Where is it? Um, I think on SmackDown, the only thing I think that we didn't talk about specifically was Miz and Morrison on commentary. It wasn't bad, but they drowned out what was going on with the Forgotten Sons of New Day. And of course, they had to paint the Forgotten Sons into a fucking corner because how could they lose? Um, so I, it didn't take away from the match with the commentary, but I felt like the stars were Miz and Morrison and not the actual Forgotten Sons who are yet forgotten again. Yes, so and I, I, uh, I do want to jump in here because I agree. The one note I did have, and uh, it probably honestly was one of my favorite things of the week, is when Jomo told uh, Cole he's going to set him up a, on a date with Carol Baskin. I couldn't help but laugh um, if you guys watch Tiger King. You 100% get that reference, but besides that, this is mostly a throwaway. And I think the last thing were two jobber alerts. Uh, I think there was, let's say, Leon Ruff, who uh, got beat up by Sheamus. I feel like everybody just gets beat up by Sheamus while he's patiently waiting for Jeff Hardy to return. To da 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 da. <laughs> and uh, of course, the biggest jobber alert of all is uh, that's right, folks. That's right. 
said Rocher, jobber alert. That's what I'm thinking. Where's my eh button? Because uh, Mr. Nestlemania, I will say that what is your rule for jobber alerts? Three minutes or less? This was far more than three minutes. It was in a very competitive match, which I think I enjoyed. I will say, as much as I love Cedroche, the right team won this because if Fink and Thorne are actually going to be used as a legitimate tag team, they need to get a win at some point. Um, so why not have it be against a team like this who I'm going to love no matter what. They're lovable losers. Um, I still think that if they wanted to push, continue Cedroche's push next week, I don't think it would affect them at all because they're both incredible. And I will say, that sell of uh, Vink's uh, bro kick finish there by Ricochet was fucking A+. Well, when he does the flippy dippies, how can you not love it? Exactly, right? so, he's the best. I gotta say, all I gotta say is, we, you've been on this program like two, three weeks in a row, saying how great Cedric Shea is, or whatever I want to call it, Cedric Shea, whatever. And you sit there and you talk about how they're going to be raw tag team champions, and maybe they will, maybe they will. But I'm telling you right now, with the Vinkster and Thorn, I'm telling you right now, I laughed my ass off based on how much time you've gushed over these guys and how they're not jobbers and they're not sitting there. They're not they're jobbers. The fucking, they went over. First, so first of all, first of all, WrestleMania. Just saying. Here's the thing in a match. Nobody, like, very few people go undefeated. Like, you're going to take losses, and that's good. It's called being competitive, um, you know? So I don't see a problem with a team losing every now and then. If Cedric Shea won every match, that wouldn't be believable either. It's You're going to take some losses along the way, and I think this one, honestly, was booked correctly. It was the team that none of us expected to win, getting a clean win, which they desperately needed. If this team's going to continue to pop up on Raw's legitimate tag team, oh, by the way, a division that desperately needs tag teams, especially on the heel side, considering they have three babyface teams, then this is the first step in doing it, and it's a lot more believable to have them upset this duo than the two duos you have feuding for the tag team titles currently. So I... I I don't see this as a problem at all. I, does it suck? Do I want Central Shade to win every match? Yeah, sure. I also want the Cowboys to win every fucking football game, but they ain't going to do that. Doesn't mean I, don't, I like them any less. Look at look at all I'm saying right now is you you gloated about how great these guys are. And they are great. great. And look just, at that. You just, Ricochet so put puts people over better than anyone. Oh my god! Just because he's a jobber, and that's what jobbers do. That's what I'm trying to tell you. That's what good talents Vink, do. Vink and Thorne are the best jobbers they have on Monday Night Raw because they get they get coming back. They kept coming back. They, when a jobber team beats a team that isn't a jobber, they have become the jobbers. That's what it becomes. It doesn't necessarily mean that three minutes or less of your jobbers are free. I'm saying basically the fact that when a jobber, like when you when you look at something, an embarrassing loss over time, when a jobber beats somebody that mean, meaningful, whether it's AJ Styles and you know, uh, Ellsworth, or you see Barry Horwitz beats, uh, I think it was a skip or something like that. You, you just, there are certain jobbers in time that have their comeuppance. Yes, there might be, this might be the one and done for the Vinkster, but I'm thinking to myself, maybe that's not based on what the quarantine is, is happening right now. Maybe they're going to be on television a lot more. But you got to, the fact that you gloated so much about how great these, you know, gymnastic gyms are, they just come out there and they pew, pew, pew all over the goddamn place. And eventually they had to lose. Yes, it's fine. You figured they would have lost to a Viking Raiders or they would have lost to another tag team. Granted, there's not a lot of tag teams on Raw. You've already reiterated that. But it was just saying, when a jobber team beats a real team, there's a switch over here. They've, they've gone up in the rankings here. So they're, in theory, in theory, if there are rankings, the said Roche is now below um, or tied with the Vink and Thorn. I'm just saying. Yeah, and that's not a bad thing. It's called being competitive. You want to talk about jobbers getting their comeuppance? Do you remember when Heath Slater beat Seth Rollins on a Raw? That didn't all, all of a sudden make Heath Slater the WWE champion. He beat him and it was a little feud with Ambrose eating fucking popcorn whatever it was at ringside. It was fantastic. That didn't make Heath Slater the top guy on Raw. He just he got guessing, a win. If you're watching a football guessing, game and say the Dolphins are 0-10 and they beat the 10-0 Patriots, it doesn't make the Dolphins a better team than the Patriots. It made them better for one game and they 
got the win. That's why they wrestle the matches in the ring, Nestle, because anything can it's happen on Monday Night it's Raw. Embarrassing. Anything it's can embarrassing. happen on Monday Night Raw, baby. Embarrassing. You're embarrassing. You're embarrassing no, for you're... trying to push this fake news agenda. You are disgusting. It is despicable. Listen, listen. And I want you off my you, TV. You, you... Listen, just because you've got all the equipment and you can you can edit this any way you want, you can you can you can sit there and oh, make God, your own I wish I would. It. I wish I had the time but to do the, that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. But I'm just telling you right now, it's okay. That the, the Sebastian will probably get their comeuppance. They'll get everything they need. But this week, the Vinkster and Thorn, Vink and Thorn, have the upper hand. And now this, for this week and this week, maybe alone, Sebastian are jobbers. Get over it. Next week they won't be. Now this, you know what? Next week, that is what it is, buddy. It is what it is. You know what I figured out, Nestle? You're you're that like. Like that uh, sports analyst that overreacts to one small thing every week, where it's like, how many times is like, oh man, the Patriots, they lost the game. They're now six and one. No way they can win the Super Bowl. And they win the fucking Super Bowl. That's who you are. You are way too reactionary to one thing, whereas I like to look at the entire picture. And the long term value of Cedroche is fucking incredible. But I think also to make sure that your division has life and for everyone's sake, the Vinks and Thorns of the world have to win every now and then. And Cedroche are the team to do it because a guy like Rick and a guy like Cedric Alexander can make these two motherfuckers who can, uh, come off bland as fuck, who might be very talented but are bland as fuck, and make them look great by selling a finish like Ricochet did. Absolute studs. I'm done. You are Skip Bayless. Uh, God, I wish I'd be rich. The only thing that Skip All Bayless right. and I have in common is we're both Cowboys fans. That's where it ends. Yeah. Um, I do, ha- I both, do have one. You... What? Go ahead. I was going to say, you both wear gold chains, though. Pretty sure. Uh, yeah, I haven't worn that much during quarantine because you know it's yeah. it is my good luck charm. But when you're not really leaving the house, there's nothing to get lucky about. Uh, That's true. <laughs> the only other note I have for Heat, and this is something that hasn't happened yet, but they're advertising Edge versus Orton uh, next week out of nowhere, like an RKO. Um, I thought WrestleMania was definitive. I understand that like getting these two guys back on TV, I think, is important. But uh, I just don't love how we're just getting a random rematch here with no build. Maybe it's kind of their way of being like, we're going to have an actual wrestling match because we didn't have one at Mania and we want to get our shit back. But at the same time, like not having much build for it or anything, it's just it's weird to me. Okay. You have nothing. Wonderful. You have no you have no nothing to add to that. You have no thoughts on Edge Orton. I mean, I look at it this way. I mean, this is fucking, this is stupid. I mean, are they going to show the actual WrestleMania match again? I'll blow my No, I think up. they're actually I having mean, a, re- a real match. I'm assuming it, they it, taped it, like, but. I, I'm thinking to myself that either it's not a match or it's going to be some type of schmozzy kind of like backstage thing. I don't think it'll be an actual match match. If it is, it seems odd to me, but I, it seems completely out of place. Um, but again, we'll, we'll find out next week. I think that uh, maybe it's the beginning of uh, the quarantine is lifted in Florida, maybe, and that. People are now having to return to their homes or, or their jobs or whatever in Florida. Maybe that's why a lot of people are maybe be coming back. But I don't know. Like, I'm just not excited about it. I think that Orton – and to me, I think Orton and Edge laid an egg on, on WrestleMania territory, in my opinion. Um, and I was really excited for it. And I think that uh, now it's definitely going to be one of those things where I just – I don't want to see it anymore. I mean, it's just give – me, give, me, give me a young guy against Edge. Give me Randy Orton against a guy he can beat up, and I'll be back to what I want to see. I don't disagree. Do you have any more heat or should we get hopeful? Let's get hopeful. Glorious. You are my only hope. Would you like to start or would you like me? I think I like when you'd start. Okay. That's what she said. Um, so we're going to start uh, with my hope, as Nestleman, you just mentioned. And I have uh, been doing Money in the Bank hopes leading up uh, this week. I've, I think I've done all uh, men's Money in the Bank uh, hopefuls. But this week, I want to stake my stick my flag in the ground for a woman in the women's Money in the Bank match because – 
Um, I do. Well, my prediction will not be this person. I'll just come out and say it now. My prediction's uh, between two other people, and I haven't decided yet. But the person that I would want to win Money in the Bank would be Lacey Evans. And yes, it's a baby face winning something that is much better with a heel. But I think that when I look at Money in the Banks, it's also like, you know, if like when the Randy Orton won, when he turned heel to do it. Yes, partially that was with the Triple H thing, Daniel Bryan and all that. But it was just, it was... It was set up in a way where it really enhanced the story, and obviously it helped kick off one of the greatest storylines in the history of wrestling. Um, And I'm not saying that Lacey winning and eventually turning heel would do that, but I think it's just one of those things with a character like Lacey, who you could push, if done correctly, as a top babyface, which they just kind of blew it with her turn. But I think easily, if they wanted to really commit to it, they could. Or someone who could turn heel and be a top heel in the company, it's her. I think she's still a rising star. Um, she definitely has, you know, been kind of in no woman's land lately. But I think uh, Money in the Bank for someone like that can be good because it gives her a reason to uh, trot out there every week and do her little thing, uh, just holding that briefcase. Um, so I think it would give her intrigue. So looking at it, that's who I want to win. I like Lacey Evans. I think her future's bright. Um, I think once she gets over that hump, I think she's going to stay on top for a long time. But until then, I think she's just kind of stuck. Uh, in uh, no woman's land. So that's my hope is uh, Lacey Evans wins money in the bank. Hashtag JC knows. Hashtag JC's hopes come true. Wonderful. It is. You nasty. You nasty. Look, there's one hope that I have here. It's going to be simple. It's going to be a very easy thing to do. If they do it, great. If they don't, they're idiots. But there have been numerous people writing in promos and saying things online and doing all these things. The whole time about this stupid corporate money in the bank ladder match, and everybody and their mother, I think almost everybody with the exception of Oscar, because I don't know if she said it in Japanese, has made a comment about throwing somebody off the goddamn building. Now, if somebody doesn't get thrown off the goddamn building in some miraculous stunt, I think it'll be definitely a waste of our time. I think if having somebody drop from some type of height, some type of crazy, amazing way to be written off television for a while, I wouldn't mind it. Honestly, honest to God. I think that would be an amazing way to get somebody off television. I think that they've had too many people. They've had AJ Styles. They've had Aleister Black, Rey Mysterio even. and All these guys in the same Monday have made a comment. I think Nia Jax made a comment about throwing somebody off too. I mean, it's happening. You're up 10 floors. You make you, Everybody is insinuating the fact that somebody has to fall out of something in this thing for it to work out. And I think the fact that they tease it enough that you need to do this, I think my hope is that, again, I don't want anybody to get hurt. I don't want to, you know, whatever. But we've done these things where limos have blown up. People have fallen out of things. They've gone and had amnesia. They've done all sorts of soap opera shit. I mean, if this is the most honky-wonky, weirdy kind of things that they do. Uh, like, you know, just it, it, the money in the bank is such a gimmick match in general. Now it's a complete wish-washy kind of thing with this uh, corporate ladder starting from the beginning and having a rat race thing, which, again, is fine. But if you're not going to have somebody jump off the building or get sent through the building at some point, I think it's a complete waste of time. I mean, you have 10 people or 12 people in this thing. I know I'm looking at the, the people now. The only person that I can see taking a dive would be probably, you know, maybe King Corbin or yep. Otis. Um, you know, and that's just because it's, it's them. But, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing, like, a Dana Brooke fall or, or Carmella or – you know, like somebody not like from a terrible distance, but I'm just thinking like even Daniel Bryan, you know, having some type of, you know, amnesia, you could do anything from any aspect of like falling down, hurting your head. There's so many things you could do. And especially in this fucking quarantine where you've said you can take chances. Why not take chances? You have that big giant fire truck bed that people jump off of, you know, roofs and stuff for fire uh, things. That is a safe way to get them off the building or, you know, there's stunt people that can help them. They've done amazing stunts over the years. I think that they've, this is the one time that everybody's going to look at that fucking thing and go, they're on top of the goddamn roof. Nobody fell off. And if you, 
you, you can't put yourself in that situation where you, you, you basically almost wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You sit there with that wishy-washy kind of feeling, joke about it, joke about it, joke about it, and not, not do it. I think that, that whether people agree with me or not, they're hoping for it to happen in some form or fashion. So it better fucking happen on Sunday one way or another. No, I, I think you're 100% on it. And unfortunately, I think, I mean, the only two candidates would be Corbin or Styles. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think the fact that they've mentioned it a million times, it just, it's like, they have to do something with it. And I'm sure it'll be heavily edited and hopefully it just doesn't look hokey, but I have faith in them because they made uh, the Boneyard and Firefly Funhouse not look hokey, in my opinion. So I think they could pull it off. Okay. Don't call it a comeback. He's been here for years, left, and then came back for many more years. Ain't no stopping me, no. It's got to be Shelty B, baby. Shelton Benjamin gets my comeback. He's a stud. He should be on my TV every week. So maybe this is the start of that. From one jobber to another, from Shelton Benjamin, I'm picking uh, the Vinkster and Thorn as my <laughs> comeback. I cannot fucking believe it. I jumped out of my goddamn chair. I was like, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread number two, not Brian Kendrick. I am excited. I am pumped. I am jacked that the Vingster finally fucking took that milky white fucking baby face thing or, or heel thing that he's doing with his. He, he might as well be like a discount Chris Masters the way he flexes. And then Shane Thorne's sitting there like he's just like, how you doing? Like it just is the whole the whole thing. Like the whole I, I love it. I, the fact that they're Australian and this is the first week that they've talked about both of them being Australian as a team was just like, why don't you guys talk about it at the same fucking time every time? You know what I mean? Like, that would have been like, if you guys called yourself like the, the Australian ass kickers or the Australian rugby team, I don't care, whatever, you can come up with a bunch of fucking things from Australia that is badass. You know what I mean? And I would, I would have believed that way more than having them be some hodgepodge jobber team. And then this week, they, like, again, it probably, you know, shows that you, you start from nothing and you get nothing. But I'm looking at it going, I'm excited that the Vinkenhorn won after being the perennial jobbers that they are, no longer jobbers, and that said Roche is now a jobber. <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, they just could saying. just go with the team name TM62 because they are the uh, second version of that. But, no, I agree completely. Like, I didn't realize the Vink was Australian either. And it would have made so much sense because I knew Shane Thorne was Australian. So it makes yeah. a little more sense now than just a random team. It's like, oh, no, this is believable. And, again, it's one of those things I feel like we talk about this all the time in wrestling where it's like I know I, I have, with like, the Dark Order with AEW. It's like start with stuff like this so I know who they are before you randomly start, like, throwing them out there because – I just, I need context. That's why I think the big lost art is like the vignettes leading up to someone debuting is such a lost art. It's like, just because we heard of them in the Indies, like we need to know what they're going to be like in WWE because there are some of us who don't know. And then we need to be reintroduced. Okay. Big finish. Big fucking finish. One, two, three, one. I'm out of so we are going to hit on the stacked NXT card uh, later. We are also going to run through our Money in the Bank predictions. There are six matches scheduled, but before I do that, uh, head over to jobberknocker.com because that's where you can find all our articles as well as our Money in the Bank predictions. And there will also be recaps of NXT and AEW and NXT UK and NWA Power when they return on the reg. There are also specialty pieces that go up all the time. Our boy TJ has been pumping them out. Joe's done some as well. So make sure you check through there. Jobberknocker.com is your exclusive of home for the best wrestling content on the interwebs. Um, Twitter at Jobberknocker, at Nestlemania, at JC of the JK, at DQ of the JK, at Ray Ray of the JK, at BillyD2411, at Joe Pollock47, at TJ of the JK, at The Real Deal B Cox, Facebook Jobberknocker, Instagram Jobberknocker, because we are everywhere you want to be on social media, iTunes, Stitcher, 
uh, fuck, I went out of order. Spotify, YouTube, Google Play, <laughs> Anchor, Five Stars, Five Flames. Leave us a review. We appreciate it. Make sure that you uh, you tell your friends who also listen to us that to make sure they're downloading and everything because we know it's without people driving. There's a lot of less people. Like It's hard to squeeze in all those podcasts. We appreciate you making us part of your weekly tradition. We'll always appreciate that. And you know what we're going to do as a gift? We're going to run through Money in the Bank right now, Mr. Nestlemania. Let's start, baby. Fatal four-way tag team match for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships. The New Day of Biggie and Kofi Kingston defends against Hey Hey Ho Ho Miz and Morrison. The Forgotten Sons. Uh, they mention all three of them, so maybe the big guy will get in the match. Who knows? Versus the Lucha House Party of Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado. So I ask you, Nestlemania, who you got? I hope the Christ that they give us a Miz and Morrison, folks. Really? That's what I want. I did not expect that from you. I, I agree. I want that too. I want that as well. simple, Miz and Morrison, because it, it just makes sense. And they, again, we can reset after this stupid fucking fever pitch thing that happened with the, the Miz. Let's move on from it and let's start over. Yeah, no, I agree yeah. completely. And I do think that the New Day winning the titles just felt like a check mark to get them that number eight to me. So I don't think that there's a long term future with them being the champs. So, yeah, I agree. Give me Miz and Morrison as well. Next up, we have a singles match for the SmackDown Women's Championship Bailey against Tamina. I'm picking Bailey. Uh, do it. Can I do it. Do it. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh, uh, you know, do it, do it. There's, there's part of me that really wants to do this. I know, fuck it, whatever. Let's just go, Bailey. Uh, uh, there, there was a part of me that, that there, there was a, there was a part where I was like, you know what? Let's just shoot your shot. You've been talking about how good, uh, you know, you can't, you can't sell salmon without Tamina, but I, I, I still can't do it. Still can't do it. Yeah, I don't blame you, but I'm disappointed. I wanted you to go on a limb. Singles match for the WWE Championship: Drew McIntyre against Seth Rollins. I just, I honestly, I. I, McIntyre's going to retain, but Seth could win by DQ, so give me Seth Rollins. I think McIntyre's going McIntyre's to do something like maybe Seth wins by – I don't know. They just I just think they're going to schmoz it, and I think Seth is going to get the actual victory, as stupid as that sounds. Give me the, give me the Mac attack. I think that the, there, there's a possibility he could be cashed in on the same night. Ooh. So. Yeah, just throwing that out there. All right, next up is a singles match for the WWE Universal Championship. Braun Strowman defends against Bray Wyatt. Um, I think Strowman's retaining here. I don't know how he's going to do it, but give me Strowman. I think the answer is definitely Strowman, but there's a part of me. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go for it. Let's just do Bray Wyatt. I like because it. Because I, I just I, I want Bray Wyatt to win because I think, no offense to the monster among men, he deserves it. He's fun. He's exciting. But he's just not exciting as a champion, in my opinion. I think he's just kind of like he doesn't need a belt. I think he's, he's, he's that good. So. Yeah, I can't honestly argue with that. I do think that something they could do during this feud is um, – there were a lot of releases in WWE, and as we saw, one half of the B team, Curtis Axel, was let go. But Bo Dallas is still being paid by WWE. I still think at some point he's going to be part of something with his brother. It could be during this feud. Who knows? So that's something I think to keep in your the back of your mind is Bo Dallas being reincarnated somehow and being part of this feud. I don't know if it will happen now, but I think it's something to think about. Next up, we have the two Money in the Bank ladder matches. Um, they're happening at the same time, but we obviously will pick them separately. We will start with the women's match for the Money in the Bank contract. And Nestlemania, I think that there are all three of the Raw members are contenders to a degree. SmackDown looks a little thinner, um, but I would like you to start this one. For the women? Oh, yeah. I'm going to go with Nia Jax. I think he talked me into it. I think that that's definitely the woman. Yeah, I know. So I, I, 
I, I think that she's going to have to face Becky. Becky's, you know, Becky's faced Asuka, faced Baszler. I mean, Nia Jackson, Dana Brooke, that's not going to put butt in the seats. Lacey Evans is a dark horse, like you said, but Carmella's not going to win. So it's either Lacey Evans or Nia Jackson, in my opinion, because Shayna Baszler, I would be shocked if Shayna Baszler won because it means absolutely fucking nothing at this point. Yeah, no, I, I honestly, I agree with every point you made. I also, I'm not going to pick Nia Jax, um, even though what? I think she is the logical choice. Yes, but I just, I don't think she needs the contract to get at Becky. I think they can easily do that, which they still probably will give it to her and have it happen right away. But I just, I think Asuka could be fun holding it for a long time. Obviously, I already talked about Lacey, but you know what? We kind of talked about this off air before the program is right now they kind of have an opportunity to take chances on things because without a crowd reaction, they can't have like that wet fart reaction of non-reactions. So they can literally do whatever they want and then hope for the best when people return. I'm going to pick fucking Dana Brooke to win this briefcase. No way. We laughed at her throughout this whole process. There was no way she was getting in it. But it's kind of like the thing with Apollo where I still think he's going to end up with the U.S. title. And then hopefully, like, I think this is a perfect opportunity for someone like an Apollo Crews or a Dana Brooke to get a push because they normally don't get reactions. But maybe by developing in this time with no crowds, when crowds come back, they'll actually, like, start to get used to them being around and they'll actually garner reactions, good or bad. So... I just, for, I don't know. There's something about Dana Brooke that they like. I think she's absolutely cringe as a baby face, but I think she's going to win the Money in the Bank ladder match. I really do. <laughs> yeah, I know. Live or die by the sword, my friend. Live or die by the sword. Yeah, if, if it happens, I'll laugh, but I just, it seems so WWE. So we'll uh, move to the men's now. The last match that is currently scheduled, if there are new matches added uh, before I think Friday was the date that TJ put up, we will definitely pick them on the website. So again, go to jarbernocker.com to check out the final predictions from the entire staff. But the uh, men's Money in the Bank ladder match, Daniel Bryan, Rey Mysterio, Aleister Black, King Corbin, Otis, and AJ Styles. For me, this is a three-horse race of Black, Corbin, and Styles. I think it's going to a heel. I want it to be Baron Corbin. My head's kind of telling me to go to AJ Styles, but fuck it. I'm going to speak it into existence. Crown Arcane as a two-time Money in the Bank contract winner. You are high as a fucking kite if you don't think AJ Styles is winning, folks, because he showed up for one reason one reason only. They're not going to let him go. He's a 42-year-old man who, could, who doesn't need to be there, and he, they put him in a quarantine, and then he's back after being buried. He's going to get a big jolt of electricity, no pun intended, from The Undertaker. Now he is going to be money in the bank, and he is going to hold on to that fucking thing until there's a crowd, and he is going to erupt a crowd when he cashes that shit in. Yeah, I honestly, I, I can't disagree with what you're saying. He is uh, the other logical choice, I think, to Corbin. I think it works in a different way, like, because if, for me, Corbin would be ruining a moment for someone where AJ would be creating a moment. So I think uh, either way, I think we're on the button. I think it has to be one of those two. But again, who the fuck knows? I think that's everything on that end. Although yeah. I want to say very quickly, one thing that I am, I'm concerned about this matchup is that they're they're at the simultaneously. They're like this is this either work as a positive or a negative. And I know we've talked a lot longer, so I'll, I'll shut up very quickly. But it's the whole like two like twelve people going for two briefcases at the same time, and like I don't think people are going to both grab the briefcase at the exact same time. So it's like whoever gets the briefcase first, it will be like who gives a shit. You know what I mean? And then it's just like, and we're continuing with the men or the women, whoever like whoever's continuing. It just seems like that's the one that's been focusing on. So I do think that there is a real, real chance for Dana Brooke to just grab the thing and then sit on the sidelines and wait for the men to just finish. Like I, I, I absolutely think there is a, a weird sense of whoever. It's just odd that they're both going everything at the same time, and I don't think they're going to time everything where both people grab the briefcases unless it's some random dramatic thing where everybody falls off at the same time. I don't know, but I, it's just odd to me. I, I'm curious to see how it ends. Yeah, no, I, I honestly I agree with what you said. I think during the match, having it both happen at the same time is exciting because there's just so many endless opportunities. But the end really could be just, like, not dramatic. But 
I don't know. I think they have had a lot of time to pre-produce this, so I think they'll do a good job. That's why I'm actually I'm not really excited for the pay-per-view as a whole, but I actually am very, very curious about this match. So I, right. I think we should go to NXT quickly or else TJ will kill us. Um, this week on NXT, we're getting the debut of Killer Cross and the Smoke Show Scarlet Bordeaux. I am pumped and jacked for this. You are pumped and jacked for Scarlet Bordeaux, obviously, but uh, Killer Cross, do you actually care? I, I on, So he's the guy that has no, been hyped to me. No, he's the guy that's been hyped to me on Twitter for years, and I've never really seen him, so I'm intrigued by him. But yeah, it's all about the Smoke Show. Come on, she's a fucking Smoke Show. Uh, we also have uh, Who Attacked Finn Balor? Who cares? Yeah, I, I honestly, if I it's think. not Walter, I don't know who it is, so I don't, I don't, whatever. Dijak versus it, Gargano? It, I'm sure TJ will have his pants off. I think that Dijak is, is a good, good hand and amazing at what he does. And uh, obviously, you know, Gargano is really good at what he does too, but I just, TJ kills him for me. So, you know what, this would be a match. I'm sure there should be a takeover, but it's not. Um, it'll be a lot of this guy is too big to do all these amazing flips and Gargano trying to be HBK 150 times. <laughs> That's just, you know. It is what it is. Get off his shit for crying out loud. Just be fucking guard Johnny, Johnny Gargano, and then maybe I'll be able to like you again. Jesus. Harsh words. Yeah, I don't. This match doesn't do much for me. At least, I'm sure I'll enjoy it, but on paper, I don't care. Charlotte Io Shirai. I'm excited for this match. I think it's intriguing. It's a big opportunity for Io. I would uh, put it highly unlikely that she wins, but nonetheless, they'll, uh, they'll have my eyes for that one. I think that uh, it'll be an amazing match. I think it'll be fun. I have a. Dare I say this is a chance to be, uh, if they let it go long, I think that this one could uh, be a potential money, uh, money make a uh, match of the year. Excuse me. I like so. that. I like where you're going there. Another one that I think a lot of people would pencil in normally as match of the year, uh, possibly, is Adam Cole versus the Velveteen Dream. I don't think this has as much steam as it should, and I honestly... I'm curious about Velveteen Dream without a crowd because so much of what he does is that controlled like chaos and it works so well with a crowd that I'm concerned this match might not live up and it stinks because I like both their talent. I honestly have gotten to a point now where I think Velveteen Dream is all sizzle, no steak. I think that when he, the bell rings, I think he's kind of careless in what he does sometimes. I know TJ has already heard me say this 45 fucking times. But, you know, I think that, that he is he is who he is for what he is for a reason. And I think he's amazing at what he does. And he's, you know, he is he's more of an entertainer than he is a wrestler, in my opinion. I'm sure he'll prove me wrong at some point. But I think that uh, if you want somebody to entertain you, there's nobody better than the Velveteen Dream. But Adam Cole, Bell to Bell, is ten times better than him in wrestling and, and, just, and just being the guy that needs to be beaten. And I think Adam Cole needs to be beaten uh, maybe down the line, but not now. So Adam Cole, maybe all the way. Yeah, no, I tend to agree. I think that this would have been the spot I would have had the per- Velveteen going over, but without a crowd, I just don't see the point. Uh, so do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? Everybody enjoy their Cinco de Mayo. Please be safe. Don't do anything stupid. Uh, we're almost hopefully uh, to a point where we can all see each other again, but uh, yeah, enjoy it. Taco Tuesday, baby! <laughs> <laughs>